If you're struggling with daily anxiety, you need immediate skills to manage the experience and get you to a functional baseline so you can stop ruminating, worrying, and expecting the worst. My name's Justin Sinceri. I'm a therapist, coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to finally get relief from trauma using clear language and practical techniques. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So this week I released a blog that lists 21 anxiety management skills that are ranked in order of difficulty. There's a link in the description for you to the entire blog. In this episode, I'm going to go over the first seven, which are the easier ones. Uh, The ones that I think are more approachable, uh, don't cost anything or very, very little. And then I have in the blog, I have the intermediate and advanced ones as well, which require time and more effort and more energy and money. So these ones, these are the, the seven easy, or what I think are easy, anxiety management skills. But first, what is anxiety? Anxiety is the emotional conscious experience of the body's impulse to escape. So basically from a polyvagal perspective, that is. So when you don't have, when you don't act on the impulse to escape, your body's impulse to escape then, anxiety emerges as that impulse just kind of lingers in the system. For example, uh, let's say that you're someone who does not like to go to, doesn't do well with like social situations. You don't like, you know, workplace potlucks or meeting new people or being, being in large groups or, you know, going to some crowded place like a mall on Christmas Eve, right? So if you're that kind of person like I am, then you're going to have an impulse to leave that situation like a workplace potluck or a meeting that could be done through email, you're going to have a, uh, an impulse to leave that situation. But maybe you can't because of social norms or expectations of the workplace. So if you can't act on the impulse to leave, then it lingers in your system. That activation, that flight activation lingers in the system and you'll experience it as anxiety more consciously. So that's the first part. The second part here is we're not curing anxiety. When I For this episode, I'm talking about managing anxiety, not curing it. I do believe that anxiety can get a hell of a lot better. And as a therapist, this is something I see very often. But these seven skills and the, and the 21 in the blog, uh, that's not a guarantee. That's, that's not what we're aiming here for. This is really about reducing the intensity of your anxiety and getting you to a more functional baseline. Now, there's tons of things you can do to manage your anxiety. I don't know you in particular. So listen to these seven and pick the ones that are approachable, the ones that you can actually and practically use starting today. I want you to start getting relief from anxiety today. So pick what works best for you. All right, here are the seven anxiety management skills. I'm going to list them and then go into each of them in a bit more detail. Number one is practicing deep breathing exercises. Two is taking short movement breaks. Three is listening to calming music. Four is writing in a journal. Five, take a warm bath or shower. Six, drink tea. And seven, spend time in nature. Let's learn more about number one, which is practicing deep breathing exercises to lower anxiety. This can be a really simple and effective way of reducing the anxiety. What you do is just sit comfortably. Um, I recommend sitting upright. Uh, Take a deep breath through your nose into your belly. Hold it for a few seconds, just a slight pause, and then exhale slowly through your mouth. And the the slower exhale 
is really the key to this. All right, and then repeat that as you need to. I did a bit of research and I'll link in the description to what I found, but there was a couple of, there was one study and a meta, meta analysis of studies that showed that deep or belly breathing was shown to improve sustained attention, affect and cortisol levels, and also increase comfort, relaxation, pleasantness, vigor and alertness, and reduce symptoms of arousal, anxiety, depression, anger, and confusion. So belly breathing has a lot of benefits to it. With anxiety in particular, the extended ex exhale that I mentioned, it utilizes the parasympathetic system, which calms the body and slows your heart. And slowing the heartbeat is exactly what's needed when you're anxious because anxiety comes from a flight impulse, a polyvagal state of sympathetic flight. And along with that comes an increased heart rate. So if you can get your heartbeat to slow down a bit more, that should help lower your anxiety. I think mindful breathing can be really, really helpful for this, especially with that extended exhale. So when should you use breathing exercises to reduce anxiety? Breath can be used for any level of anxiety intensity, in my opinion, even, yeah, even panic attacks. However, that is not easy and you'll get better results if, number one, you practice these breathing exercises ahead of time, even before there's a problem, before there's intense anxiety. Number two, you have a high distress tolerance, which you can do through building the strength of your vagal break. That's the state, that's the strength of your polyvagal safety state. And number three, you have practice mindfulness and you can attune to your breath. So practice is a big part of this and practice leads to increasing the strength of your safety state. And if the safety state is stronger, then the defensive states like flight, fight, shutdown, freeze will not be as intense. All right, the second easy anxiety management uh, skill is to take short movement breaks to lower your anxiety. Taking short breaks to stretch and move your body can help reduce tension and promote relaxation. I recommend mindful stretching and movements over using your phone to distract yourself from anxiety, which I know a lot of us go to. So how does movement help reduce anxiety? When you mindfully use movement, it uses up that pent up flight, flight energy that's just lingering in the system. And it also reminds your body that movement's possible and that you are not actually immobilized. When you feel anxiety and you are immobilized, so you're not moving, it makes things worse. Your body needs movement, including even fidgeting. Fidgeting can be helpful as well. Use movement when you notice that your anxiety is escalating, but not out of control yet. That's what I'd recommend. Um, and also when you can take a break from whatever you're doing. So for me, at work, I make it a habit to get up and walk around the block uh, once once a day, just to go out and you know feel the air, feel sunshine if it's out there, as long as it's not too hot. But it gets me moving and it gets me away from my desk, away from my monitor, which I really need. So I really highly recommend movement combined with being mindful of the environment, your, the sensory experience of your environment, what you feel on your skin, what you hear in your ears, what you see with your eyes, be mindful of that while moving. And I think that can be really helpful to manage anxiety. Number three technique is to listen to calming music to reduce your anxiety. Music can be really, really, really helpful. So choose a piece of music that you find soothing and relaxing. Basically something that helps you to breathe a bit easier or something that enables you to slow down and feel more present. You could also, if you want to, you could choose music that actually helps you to mobilize and to feel playful. 
So there's a couple different routes you could take here. Choose music that feeds into the mobilization of anxiety and listen to it in a playful kind of dancing way, rhythmic way. Or listen to music that helps you to slow down and breathe a bit easier. So how does this help? Music can help lower anxiety in a bunch of ways. It can help you move through dance. It provides a rhythm to synchronize with and helps you to feel more present. There might be vocal prosody in the music. That's basically the sing-song equality of the voice. So if you're listening to rap or heavy metal, it's not going to be a whole lot of vocal prosody in there. But that vocal prosody can help. It's a cue of safety to your system. It tells your body that what you're listening to is safe. It's a co-regulation thing. Number four, uh, music may match the intensity of what you're feeling, and that allows the feeling to be present within you if you can sustain it or if you can tolerate it. And number five, it can also function as a distraction. If you just need it to distract yourself and you can't really mindfully you know, experience it, that's fine too. Again, we're talking about managing the anxiety, not getting rid of it. I think personally music is kind of always a good idea for reducing anxiety. You could have it on in the background, Uh, And just, it provides this passive cue of safety to your system just to remind you that you're safe. If you're at work, just put some earbuds in that can be very discreet. Or if you're with friends and you want to dance it out, go right ahead. That's not really my style, but this could be a really good co-regulative social way to be mobile and to play. Number four is to write in a journal to reduce anxiety. Writing in a journal can help you process your thoughts and emotions, which helps to reduce anxiety. So what I'd recommend is take a few minutes each day, write down your thoughts, write down your feelings. What I recommend specifically though, is focusing on the present moment and not going into things about the past, especially things that are more on a painful kind of level. All right. I don't need you to reflect on the things you've been through and to conjure those past thoughts and feelings and and whatnot. So I think focusing on the present moment on your cognitions and your emotions can be more helpful. Journaling can help you to align your cognitions, so the words in your head or the images or memories. It can help you align your cognitions with what's happening within you from the bottom up, but also helps you to align with the external world. So if you journal about the present moment, you might write about things like what your senses are detecting, like sights and sounds, You might write about things like uh, what your present moment emotional experience is, like maybe anxiousness or nervousness. You might write about things like uh, what it feels like to be in the present moment and to journal. Now, if you can get your thoughts to align with the present moment through journaling, this gives your emotion of anxiety permission to be present. You're not ignoring it. You're letting it be there and you're aligning with it and you're experiencing it on some level, but in a tolerable way. And then you're sort of getting it out of your system in a way through journaling instead of just just letting it linger there. And that can help to reduce the intensity of it. And if you want to take it to the next level and you're allowing your anxious feelings to be there while journaling, use the speed of your writing as a way to further feel the anxiety in a tolerable and safe way. That means if you feel really jittery and fast paced, let yourself write in a very jittery and fast paced way. You could also just doodle or sketch or scribble. It doesn't have to be like a coherent uh, journaling, you know, written word sort of thing. I think journaling is best done when the anxiety feelings are like a mild to moderate level. 
It would really help if you stay anchored in the present moment to journal more effectively. Staying anchored in the present moment will help you to tolerate the anxiety that is within you and that is connected to past events that, yeah, might come up while you journal them. Those feelings or those uh, memories, they might come up. So if you stay anchored in the present moment, your ability to tolerate that and actually be curious about it and let it be there, it goes up. Number five is take a warm bath or shower to reduce anxiety. You might want to add some Epsom salts or essential oils to really enhance the relaxation experience. Bathing provides numerous uh, passive cues of safety to your system to help lower your flight activation and, and then to lower your anxiety. The warmth on your skin from the water, the sense of soaps or oils, the solitude maybe of being alone in the bathroom. And yeah, I think just feeling clean is also a cue of safety personally. But those passive safety cues can also be actively noticed and experienced. So if you do these things and set yourself up with a relaxing you know, scene, you can mindfully experience it. You can slow down and really take them all in, maybe one by one, and just notice what it feels like to have warmth on your skin and, and just all over your body. What it feels like, how your body reacts to that certain scent that you've set yourself up with. So you can take these passive cues of safety and actively experience them. One of my therapy clients took a two hour bath every day at nighttime. It was part of her uh, bedtime routine, but she would take a two hour bath and she would have a charcuterie board. She'd have cheeses on it. She'd have meats. Now I don't recommend this exactly, but it, it does sound amazing. I think I would love that. However, I do highly recommend a daily bathing. <laughs> Please do that. But think of this option or this technique as part of your daily structure that's more preventative than a coping skill. Meaning it, this is just a part of your daily routine. It's, it's, it's an opportunity every day for you to feel more relaxation and more slow and more warmth and more solitude. It's a way to start your day or end your day maybe calmly. And so it's really a foundational piece to your day. It's a foundational daily structure that is more preventative. You could use it as a coping skill, you could, but I recommend it more as a preventative kind of thing. Number six is to drink tea to reduce anxiety. Teas can potentially help reduce anxiety, uh, including like green tea and chamomile, and I'll link to a couple of studies that I found that helped uh, support that idea. Unfortunately though, tea is not free, although it's pretty darn cheap. But this one might be less accessible for you if you don't have any uh, tea money to splurge on. How does tea help to re reduce anxiety? There might be some benefits from the tea ingredients themselves, like maybe the herbs uh, or the caffeine in it, maybe. But for me, it's the taste, it's the warmth, it's the scent. Teas are a really great uh, source of passive safety cues. So the scents and the side of it and and the warmth, these are things that provide you with cues of safety that are relaxing without you having to really do anything besides just drink the tea. But you can also, again, mindfully attune to these and really get that next level of benefit from it by asking yourself, what's it like to experience it? What's it like for me to drink this tea and smell it and taste it? I recommend drinking tea when you have a decent amount of anchoring in your safety state and you can really be mindful of the experience. So if you're like super anxious, then messing around with hot water might not be a great idea, okay? Especially if you're in a panic attack and you're jittery, you might not want to mess with scalding hot water. 
But if you have like mild to moderate anxiety or stress, I think tea is a really, really good option. Uh, just as long as you can really mindfully take it in. I don't think it's as helpful if it's a mindless thing that you're just sort of like chugging tea. <laughs> I don't think that's super helpful. The final easy anxiety management technique is to spend time in nature to reduce anxiety. Now, hold on here, because I'm not saying like go to a forest, all right? This could be something like you're actually in nature, yeah, but it also could be like elements of nature. So something that's nature-ish. <laughs> I'll put it that way. So this could be you go to a forest or a natural a, a national park and you are there for the day, taking it in, being in solitude and quiet, lovely. If you could do that, go right ahead. You might be walk, you know, hiking or biking through it or whatever. But maybe there's a park around your house. You could walk around that. And it's not the same, but there's grass and there's birds and that's close enough. Or maybe in your backyard, you can just kind of hang out there. This evening, my wife and I, we were uh, barbecuing and we just sat on our deck in the backyard. It's not too hot, but it was sunny. It's the evening, but it wasn't too dark. It was kind of just right. It was breezy, but not, not too windy. And we were bar barbecuing. So it was just like a peaceful scene that had elements of nature that we could just kind of take in. But maybe you don't even have access to that. Maybe you live in an apartment and you're on the fifth floor and it's noisy. Well, maybe you can put in uh, like potted plants in, into your apartment. Uh, that, so that way it's, no, it's not a forest. It's not a backyard. It's not a park, but it's an element of nature. Having those greens present, I think really, really helps out. The way I kind of conceptualize this is that humans, well, everything evolved in nature, but humans evolved in nature. So I think we generally feel an aversion to dangerous elements of nature, like lightning and hail, right? Those things we typically don't want to go out into. But we are drawn to safer aspects of nature, like water and greenery. Safety can include a warm sun, a gentle breeze, quiet solitude. Hearing birds singing also indicates that there's no danger present. So I think when you have these elements of nature in your life, it just naturally is a cue of safety. I even use fake plants in my uh, therapy offices and that is better than none. I recommend using nature as often as you can if you don't have a lake or a whimsical fairy tale forest nearby that is okay. Use those elements of nature like I mentioned. I even use, one last thing, during my therapy sessions I'll have a monitor on, my computer monitor, that plays a... Um, like a long element, a scene of nature. Like it's someone just, you know, recording their walk through a forest or they set up a camera and recorded a waterfall for 20 minutes and it's on a loop. So just having that on in therapy, I find my clients, just their eyes gravitate toward there and they can really settle into it. So it's not real, it's a monitor, but it's better than nothing. So I think these elements, if you can incorporate these into your life, into your space, it can help increase the cues of safety passively, which can help to reduce your flight activation, which will help to reduce your anxious feelings. There is a link in the description for all 21 of my anxiety management skills that I listed and I ranked in order of difficulty. There are nine intermediate ones and a couple of examples of that are to take, te take technology breaks, uh, use mindful meditation, and use muscle relaxation and aromatherapy. That's four of the nine. And then I also have five advanced anxiety management skills, like working with a therapist or counselor and practicing trauma relieving, 
meditative techniques. So hit, click the link in the description and you can get, you'll, you'll, get, you'll go to the blog with all 21 of the effective anxiety management skills ranked by difficulty. And you can leave a comment on the blog. I'd love to hear what you think about these. Not hear, but read. Otherwise, fellow Stucknot, I do hope that this episode has been a res- uh, helpful resource for you and that you have found one or two or three things that you can begin to do today to reduce your anxiety. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.